In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Old Testament reading for the fourth Sunday after Pentecost is from Jeremiah chapter 28. The prophet Jeremiah answered the prophet Hananiah before the priests and all the people standing in the Lord's temple. Yes, so be it, the prophet Jeremiah said. May the Lord do this. May the Lord carry out what you have prophesied by bringing back the vessels of the Lord's temple and all the exiles from Babylon to this place. But please listen to what I say for you and all the people to hear. Long ago, prophets who were before me and you prophesied against many countries and great kingdoms about war, calamity, and the plague. But the prophet who prophesied about peace was recognized to be the prophet of the Lord, truly sent only if what the prophet said came true. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The epistle reading is from Romans chapter 7. Or don't you know, my fellow Christians, I'm speaking to people who know the law, that you have to obey the law only as long as you live? The law, for example, binds a married woman to her husband while he is living. But if her husband dies, the law doesn't bind her to her husband anymore. So while her husband is living, she will be called an adulteress if she lives with another man. But if her husband dies, she is free and no longer bound by the law, and so she's no adulteress if she marries another man. So you too, my fellow Christians, have, through Christ's body, died to the law to marry another, him who rose from the dead, so that we will produce fruit for God. While we were living in the flesh, the law stirred into action the sinful lusts in parts of our bodies to produce fruit for death. But now that we have died to the law, which bound us, we are freed from it, not to serve in the old way under the law, but in the new way of the Spirit. What does it mean? Is the law sin? Certainly not. But only by the law did I learn what sin is. For example, only when the law said, do not covet, did I know how wrong it is to covet. Taking the commandment as a challenge, sin worked in me every kind of wrong desire. Without the law, sin is dead. Once I was alive without the law, but when the commandment came, sin became alive and I died. And the commandment, which is to bring life, actually brought me death. Taking the commandment as a challenge, sin seduced me and with the commandment killed me. So the law itself is holy and the commandment is holy, right and good. Now did this good thing kill me? Certainly not. But sin, to be sin, clearly used this good thing to kill me so that sin would by the commandment become extremely sinful. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 10th chapter. 
Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said, Don't think I came to bring peace to the earth. I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. I came to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be those in his own home. If you love father or mother more than me, you're not worthy of me. And if you love son or daughter more than me, you're not worthy of me. If you don't take your cross and follow me, you're not worthy of me. If you find your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life for me, you'll find it. Anyone who welcomes you welcomes me. And anyone who welcomes me welcomes him who sent me. Anyone who welcomes a prophet because he is a prophet will get a prophet's reward. Anyone who welcomes a righteous man because he is righteous will get a righteous man's reward. Anyone who will give one of these little ones just a cup of cold water because he is my disciple, I tell you the truth, he will certainly not lose his reward. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Our sermon text today is our gospel reading. Grace and peace to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Today, our Lord's words ask you and me, how much do you love God? Do you love the Lord more than your family? More than life? Have you ever heard of Perpetua? She was one of several catechumens who was studying and preparing to be baptized around 203 A.D. She, along with other catechumens, was arrested by Roman officials and was put in prison. Perpetua was a 22-year-old married woman who had recently given birth to a son. While in prison and awaiting her trial, her pagan father comes and pleads with her to forsake Christ Jesus. She resisted, but was distressed by his passionate plea. Perpetua then has the opportunity to be baptized in prison before being taken before the official in charge of her trial. In fact, before the trial, her father came before her again and pleaded with her. Have pity, my daughter, on my gray hairs. Have pity on your father, if I am worthy to be called a father by you. If with these hands I have brought you up to this flower of your age, if I have preferred you to all your brothers, do not deliver me up to the scorn of men. Have regard to your brothers. Have regard to your mother and your aunt. Have regard to your son, who will not be able to live after you. Lay aside your courage, and do not bring us all to destruction. For none of us will speak in freedom if you should suffer anything. He kissed her hands and threw himself at her feet and wept. This caused her to grieve over him. She tried to comfort him with her hope and trust in God. 
but he departed in sorrow. When the day for the trial came, as she was being brought forward and given a chance to renounce the faith and sacrifice to the emperors as God, her father again came forward. This time he brought with him her nursing infant son. He pleaded with her to have pity on her baby. The procurator, seeing this, urged her at the trial to spare her father and the baby, but she refused to offer the commanded sacrifice and instead confessed to being a Christian. And so the procurator had her father beaten before her and sentenced her and others to be killed by wild beasts. As the day draws near, she is once again reproached by her father who tears out his beard and throws himself on the ground. He does everything before her in humiliation and speaks to move her, but she remains steadfast. Although she grieves for him and what he has to go through, still she remains committed to Christ Jesus and doesn't love her father more than God. And although she did die in the arena, she gained life. She bore the cross she was given. She lost her life for Christ's sake, and in so doing, she found true life. For the Lord Jesus was with her, and she is even now with him. Such choices as Perpetua faced may be before you as well. Today, Muslims, Mormons, and Jehovah's Witnesses, among others, face such choices. If they come to Christ, their families may very well disown them and shun them. They may be cut off and pressured to return to their former beliefs. You too will face such choices in some form or another. You could face the choice to renounce the faith or see harm come to your family. Maybe you think that impossible, but German Christians during the rise of Nazism also thought it impossible. Those Christians faced the choice of confessing the truth of God's word or remaining silent. In March 1935, several of the confessing Lutheran congregations planned to read a statement against the false gods of Nazism. 700 pastors were arrested either before they could read the statement or after they had done so. Such choices would happen frequently for people at that time. Some stood for God while others did not. But not to get too far into what others have faced or into what you might face in the future, even in our own country. Because every day you and I are faced with the choice of whether we will love God more or someone or something else. Every day we are tempted by our own flesh to embrace our desires to follow where the world is leading or to abandon our Lord because of demonic lies that try to discredit the truth. Every day we are challenged to keep the Lord as our number one priority, to pick up our crosses and follow after him. And every day we fail in thought, word, or deed. Every day we falter on some point of God's word. 
Every day, we put our interests, desires, and wants first. We give in to the world because it's easier and less bothersome. We even surrender to the devil's attacks and lies because we think it will be different this time, or we think it's the only way we can live. At least that's what we tell ourselves when we break one of God's commands. We tell ourselves, this is the only way to preserve my life. We tell ourselves that God would want us to do this because we know God wants us to be happy or we know he wants us to keep living or we are certain that he is behind this. So it must be the thing to do. But such thoughts are self-justification. Those thoughts are us trying to make it okay, even though in our hearts we know we are breaking God's commandments. We try to justify harming our neighbor, committing sexual morality, stealing, ruining reputations, and coveting. We try to make our sins okay so we could be worthy of God. But we are not worthy. We don't deserve the peace Christ does bring. We deserve his division and his sword. We deserve to be consumed by God's wrath and anger. We deserve eternal death. Yet God doesn't give you and me what we deserve. He separates us from our sin. He divides us from our evil. He did this on the cross and in baptism. He lived in perfect love toward God and toward our neighbor. He overcame our sin and death on the cross. He took our punishment and suffered in our place. His blood dripped out of his veins. He lost his life so that your life would be found and restored. He died to take your sins away and to remove your unworthiness. Jesus removed your imperfect love and crucified it. And in its place, he has given you a new heart and life. He has formed you into the person he wants you to be. He has established true peace with you. All this he has done through baptism. All this he has worked in you and on you. He has moved you to love him above all things. He has overcome your sin and evil. You have died to the law and are no longer captive to the evil desires that still exist inside your body and surround you in this world. You're free from them. You're free to take your cross and follow Jesus. You're free to share the word of life with those around you. You're free to love God above all else. You're free to give up your life for Christ Jesus, knowing that in him you will continue to live. Which means not only can you give your life through a martyr's death like Perpetua, not only can you stand up for Jesus against those who call you to love them more than God, but you can love your neighbor enough to speak God's word when it's hard or difficult or dangerous. You can give up what you want, sacrifice of your things and time, to share the name of our triune God. That is... You can tell of who he is and what he has done and encourage those who believe toward ever more faithfulness to his word and trust in his grace. You can support those who share God's word, refreshing them with supplies and sustenance. 
and you can rejoice. You can rejoice because God has sent his prophets, righteous ones and disciples to you, and you have received them in God's word, which means you have received Jesus and the Father who sent him. You are blessed because the Holy Spirit has worked in your life to bring you into the Lord's name in baptism. And so the Father will give you the reward of the prophet and righteous. It will never be taken from you. You can rejoice because God has brought you to others to share God's word. And those who have received and believed on account of you are believing on account of Jesus' name. They've received you and believed you on account of Jesus, not on account of you. Thus you've become part of the body of Christ, though, sharing in the Lord's gifts together and receiving and loving one another on account of Christ Jesus. God has worked all this and rewarded you for what he has done through you and for you. So do not fret or worry if your life is filled with strife or if you are divided from the world or society. Don't be concerned if you become an outcast or if great ailments or sorrows are laid upon you. Fear not if your life is taken or lost. For you have in Christ Jesus that which is far greater than anything the world has to offer. Stop and think about that for a moment. You are enriched beyond the richest man in this world. You have life. You have eternal life. Despite your sins and failures, in spite of the times you worried, feared, or failed to rejoice, no matter that you sinned against those closest to you, Jesus is giving you his life. What we couldn't earn or achieve, what we didn't deserve, God has bestowed upon you in baptism. You have life that is greater than any want or earthly dream or hope. You have the one and only true life, Jesus. God is your life, and he has died and risen for you. That means no matter what you have done or failed to do, he who conquers sin and raises the dead is able to deliver you. He has cleansed you of your sin and united you to himself in baptism. You are his now. And he will not abandon you. Your reward, life with him, is assured and certain. In fact, your new life has already begun. It is yours today. For he has divided you from this world of sin and death so that you would have true peace and life with him at his table. Here you eat and dine in his very presence. Here he looks upon you with his undeserved favor. Here he speaks and forgives you all your sins. 
you are his. For his sword has struck down your enemies. He has defeated death, sin, and the devil. These are the enemies of peace. And his sword has divided you from them. His sword has become your deliverance that will divide you from them eternally and bring you a life of peace with him. Your reward is certain in and with Christ Jesus. And now the peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen. All readings prior to the sermon come from an American translation of the Bible.